This episode is brought to you by the National Jewish Retreat. Join the 14th Annual National Jewish Retreat in Washington, D.C. from August 13 to 18, 2019. Check it out at jretreat.com and enter the code JLP at checkout to receive $50 off. And yes, I will be there. Head over to jretreat.com and enter JLP at checkout. Jewish Latin Princess Episode 100. Yael Trush, interviewed by Adrian Gold. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. Welcome to the show. I would normally say I'm Yael Trush, your host, except today I'm not your host. I'm a guest on my own show. This is our hundredth episode, ladies. It's been an incredible journey. And per your request, I've brought someone super cool to interview me, the magnificent Adrian Gold, who was my guest only a few episodes ago on episode 90, which by the way, if you haven't heard that episode, I highly recommend it. And without further ado, Adrian, my friend and well, host for the day, how are you? you well you can't imagine how happy i am you see today i get to interview the jewish oprah <laughs> <laughs> you or as i like to think of her jupra oh oh i like that i thought you might like that i do oh my goodness That's imagine great. how i feel you know i just want to tell the listeners that those of you who don't know yael need to know that she is an influencer she's a blogger she's a teacher she's a speaker she's an international personality she's a <laughs> blogger she has her podcast so you know this is a bit humbling for me because I'm only just venturing into technology and you're already the queen of all of it. Oh, well. So I feel very, very blessed to have the opportunity to interview you, Yael. Oh, I really do. I'm so excited. And I'll, I will admit that I'm a little nervous to be on the other side of the mic, but I'm all yours. <laughs> oh, don't you worry. I'll only torment you a little tiny bit, okay? <laughs> all right. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. <laughs> okay, so I want to begin by asking you the questions that I've actually wanted to ask you since I first met you which was a gift anyway into itself. And that was what was actually the impetus to start this podcast to begin Jewish Latin Princess. I mean, honestly, because I'm so old, I'm really behind the technological times. But I see that after 100 episodes, you were onto something and long before the rest of us were. So what was the reason that you started this podcast? A great question. And I'm happy you asked it because I probably a lot of the listeners haven't been with me from the early days. So I'm going to take you back in time a little bit. About 10 years ago, I moved to Houston. And when I moved here, one of the rabbis asked me to take over teaching Jewish women, um, Spanish speaking Jewish women, women from Latin America who lived in Houston to take over teaching them. He used to coordinate programs for the Latin American families. And would I run women's programs and women's classes? And I jumped in. He knew that I had experience in public speaking and in t- adult education for women, which is a whole crazy story in and of, of itself, which I could tell you later. That's so like I started I started that and we started getting together once a month. And so what happened is after a couple of years, I, I got into my head, like, first of all, it was like the days of blogging. Blogging was at its peak almost. Sure. And I said, well, how can I take the overarching message that comes across in every one of my classes, no matter what specific Torah topic we're learning about, there was always this, this, um, this theme that I tried to 
communicate, which is which that was what? Which it, was what? it is that Judaism is a way of life, that Judaism is part and parcel of who we are, that it's not an afterthought, that it's not something that shows up in our life once a year, you know, like your white dress on Yom Kippur or your matzah on Passover, <laughs> that it's really something that we should, it should be affecting and we should be living it in every area of our life, in the way we do business, in the way we parent, in the way we decorate our homes, in the way we speak, in the way we get dressed, in everything. And so with this theme, I, I said, you know, how could I take this overarching idea of this beautiful way of living that is that can be part of everything we do as women our food again all the things that we love our art our food our fashion our money our, our relationships etc and go be even more creative with the way i present my message meaning not just the spoken word in front of a class of a group of people and then and also how could i reach more people so that's when the idea of the blog jewish latin princess started so that was the early days and what i would do is in every post and i still do that a little bit less because i'm more consumed with this show but i kind of like you know, try to keep up with everything. But what I would do is in every post, whether I'd be talking about fashion or interiors or um, parenting or anything that I'd be talking about in that post, I would always weave a spiritual concept into it. So to really show how Judaism is part of everything, right? There was always some spirituality, Jewish spirituality weaved into what I was showing with okay. the images. Mm -hmm. Just just tell me quickly, just mm -hmm. for, to contextualize this, give me an example about how Jewish spirituality would enter into, for example, home decorating. Oh, my my favorite topic. Okay. Oh, so really? yes, and I used to have a, a column uh, that we would call mi casa es su casa, meaning my home is Hashem's home. And and readers would send me images of how they've 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 expressed their Judaism through their home decor. So they would show me their beautiful area where they had their Jewish art and they would tell me the story of how they inherited from a grandmother and they would show oh. me their Shabbos candlesticks. But they would show me their beautiful dining room and they would explain how it's so important for them to have guests or a beautiful guest room because they really are very careful with the mitzvah of making of having guests and making them feel at home all different areas of our life right um and and we i have a whole lecture on called the kabbalah of the home and where i i actually explore how interior design and judaism intersect it's a whole incredible topic but i would do that and that would ask, actually was one of my favorite columns um because it would really inspire people to incorporate more of who they are as a jewish as jewish women into their decor even when you're decorating your playroom, right? Well, let's put Jewish images for our kids. Let's be find beautiful art of the Aleph bed and other images that we even as women maybe we want to create so there was so much to that um, so that was one area we explored we also I also have a column on divine providence where um, readers would send me their stories of how they saw the hand of Hashem in their lives and so on and I would have there also profiles of women and I would call them JLP profiles and that's really where the the bug for the for this podcast started because oh, okay wait just a second mm -hmm. yeah sure you said you keep saying JLP JLP, Jewish Latin princess. Mm -hmm. So two questions. Mm -hmm. Is that a take on the Jewish American princess, the it, whole Jap principle? Oh, yes. Or is it about, and it's not specifically just for Latina women, because I listen to it all the time. Mm -hmm. So the Latin piece, was that referring to the bilingual approach that you take? Or or, or is there a, another message in Jewish mm -hmm. Latin princess as the name of the podcast? Yes, yes. So I'll tell you. So when when I came up with the name, so first of all, yes, you're, you're right on track. It is definitely a 
a play on a name that has somewhat of like a negative connotation, but I've, I was flipping the concept around in several ways and reclaiming, reclaiming, reclaiming. Yes. Because see what the idea is that we are Jewish women and as such, we are the daughters of Hashem, our king. That's what the Torah, that's what we're called in the Torah, but Abbas Melech, the daughter of the king. And then the Latin, well, it's not just because it was my back, it is my background, but I've over the years, I've, I've discovered that there is definitely a special sensitivity um, that Latin women, Jewish Latin women in particular, have towards spirituality. There's like an openness and a receptiveness. And I actually, my theory is that you'll probably appreciate this, that it goes hand in hand with the fact that we are very much into the physicality of things, into the beauty, into the presentation, um, almost to a fault. But I think that while one could take this as a negative, I think that is only a reflection of the fact that we are very sensitive to the spiritual beauty and sparks of everything. So that's how this was born, actually. And I'm glad you asked me because a lot of people don't know. Although there is a whole other side to this name, which applies applies more to my personal life, but the unofficial version, if you want to know, I'll tell you. I do want to know because, you know, I, I find this is one of the things that I find the most nuanced and interesting. First of all, I agree with you that the Latin spirit has an appreciation for all things aesthetic and beauty. Mm-hmm. But again, if the if the the operating system of Judaism is coming from the neshama, the soul, yes. then I just want to come back as a Jewish Latin princess in my next life. Could could I become part of your club, please? Uh, yes, you you already are, Adrian. Yeah, sure. Okay, so tell me tell me a little bit about who Yael Trush was. What was mm. her journey from Jewish Latin princess, perhaps in the vernacular, into the spiritual? Yeah, yeah, the unofficial, the unofficial version. Well, well, first of all, just going to the more spiritual. Yes, I definitely grew up um, in a very, let's just say, you know, the society very focused on aesthetics and all that. And I did become observant in my twenties. More, I, I, I began in college a very intellectual exploration of what Judaism was, and and then I, I'm a very cerebral person, and that that really was what did it for me. And it definitely impacted my emotions. And I started practicing. So that's what took me on a religious journey. By the time I was uh, in my by the time I was 23, 24, I was, you know, wearing a skirt, keeping Shabbat kosher and all that. But the name Jewish Latin princess, the part that a lot of people don't know, and it kind of relates to this, is that I did in many ways throughout my life behave like this more, um, I guess, more stereotypical, like the total princess. And I don't mean the humble, gracious daughter of the king, but rather... But rather the more entitled, spoiled woman <laughs> who thought, I don't know, Prince Charming would come and rescue her one day. Um, and in a way, I feel like, well, isn't that what everybody, every Latin woman is taught? <laughs> but, I think that's what I think that, you know, by extension of Hollywood and, and books and oh, things like that, that's yes. what most women mm-hmm. are taught. But is it exasperated in the Latin community, do you think? Um, I definitely think that it is. Although I do have to say, and I was discussing this with my another Latin friend the other day, I did receive many mixed messages because while there definitely was that like Prince Charming will come and you know that's what you that's that's where you're headed there was also this like you have to get a career and you have to you like the academics were very much emphasized so it was like a very uh, I don't know um a contradiction it seems yeah 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 very interesting contradiction but so I joke about it but really Adrian I a part of me when I got engaged to my wonderful husband a part of me really thought great I'm married. I don't have to deal with money anymore. Yay. I don't have to deal with my 
IRA and my boss and my bank accounts. Like Prince Charming here will take care of that. I'll just spend the money and I'll make him a beautiful abode and a beautiful life. And and that worked for a while <laughs> until, then, it, until it didn't. <laughs> until what, what it didn't. stopped working. You know, I, you've been very open about your money and personal finances on mm-hmm. your show. Mm-hmm. I've actually heard you tell a personal story and take on personal finances when you're speeches. But it sounds to me like this whole um, this whole change in what you assumed would happen and what you ended up shouldering um, is the genesis point for a lot of this. Can you can you yes, share it with it, everyone else a little it bit? It definitely is. It definitely is. So basically, my husband and I lost a lot of money um, very quickly. And in a lot of ways, I sort of blame myself. And I've worked through that because listen, everything Why? is from God. Because I, I, because there was a point in our life when we had a lot of money that we had accumulated, and there was an investment in front of us. And I and my husband came to me for advice. And I t- said yes. And looking back, I didn't, um, I should have known better, I should have been more responsible, but I, but it's okay. I'm not, I'm, I'm already past the blaming. It is, it is what it is. But the point being, we lost a lot of money. And that was a huge wake up call for me. Like very quickly, I had to put my big girl skirt on. I had to, grow, <laughs> yeah, like I had to grow up and mature and, and like really step up to this much higher version of the Jewish Latin princess, like someone who really connects to Hashem, who's not doing lip service to this whole being religious thing, right? Like who really can trust in God, who really can trust in her marriage um, and in the well, there's union. Nothing, there's nothing like money to test your faith, is there? Do, Isn't I it interesting? You, did you give advice to your husband because of your MBA? Um, it, it, did he come to you about financial things because you were supposed to be the expert? I think there was a little bit of that because I had experience in business. Um, and I think also there was a little bit of, he definitely believes that, his wife has intuition. Um, uh-huh. He definitely always comes to me and he always says that. And I, and, and up to a few years ago, I used to be like, no, 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 you can't trust me anymore. Like I used to be, um, and, and, and that was, yeah, that's how he, he came to me for both those, both, both those reasons. And I'm part of, Part of the building my trust in God and my trust in my marriage and also it was trust in myself and, you know, who I was and what I wanted for my life and putting my marriage and my home first and really learning to use all these spiritual tools and practical tools at my disposal to make sure that my marriage is okay, that my my home is okay, that we can be happy with or without money, that that's something that just it's part of life. It flows, it comes, it goes. It has nothing to do with my my self-worth. Like like I always say to people, and this has been a huge lesson for me, like your net worth is not your self-worth. They're not even Uh on the same, they're not in the same realm. Just repeat that. That is a brilliant statement. Just repeat that. And men should be listening to that. Forget Jewish Latin princes. We need every prince and king to hear that. Because honestly, as a mother, of boys, I can tell you, I don't want my children's, you know, self-worth to be attached to their net worth. And I don't want women to marry them for that. Exactly. Yes, your self-worth is not measured by your net worth. And I'll tell you, your net worth is numbers, Adrian. They are numbers. As my husband tells me, numbers go up and down. They're in the realm of physicality. They're in the realm of things that are finite, right? We have a soul. We have a piece of infinity. It's not even, what I'm saying is we equate these two things but as Jewish people, we have to understand that they are not even the same realm. Who you are is something so incredibly powerful. Hasn't you don't limit it by the number in your bank account? Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? So, well, 
it sounds to me like this um, financial fall was an ascent or a descent for the sake of an ascent. Mm. Like it sounds to me like hitting this raised you up in a way that, you know, your words, a joyful, richer Jewish life became really meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I definitely have grown up and definitely, yes, it's given, it, 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 it is, it is part of what, uh, becoming living with this joy and this richness, both spiritually and materially, this connection to God. All of this has happened because of it. So, you know, when you look back, you appreciate the, <laughs> you appreciate the challenges. <laughs> So in, in many ways, you really do have it all. You have the physical and the spiritual downlock, although I'm sure that, you know, there are always tests that come along because we get to a certain level and Hashem says, okay, you think you're so great? Try this now, right? Yep. So it, yep. It, it's I, work I, every day. I, I wonder, I wonder, are there any Jewish women who had an impact on you when you were going through this or or, or since you went through this and, and recalibrated your life? Yes. So I'll tell you one um, comes right to mine. It's my mentor, my mashpia, Rachel. And it's some and I, I really have a huge appreciation and gratitude for the fact that I have a mentor that I chose very early on in my marriage. And I do have to give credit to my husband for this. He at the beginning of my marriage said, Yeah, El, everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs a mashpia. And you have to put a little bit of effort to finding who that right person is. And Baruch Hashem I did and she has been with me um, every step of, you know, and every everything that I go through in my life. And I think that's an important part. And it is part of Torah. Like we are supposed to have somebody who really can be a spiritual right. mentor, but who really wants also is involved in our everyday because again, they're not dissociated. You're, what's happening in your in your material existence is not disconnected from your spiritual reality. So, For sure. it, so Rachel comes to mind, my mentor, my mashpia. How and did you find her? Yeah, how so, did you find her? You know her? what? It's actually a beautiful um, story. She was my neighbor many years ago when I was doing my MBA in Manhattan. Um, and she is Latin America and she rolls, she runs a Sephardic synagogue in uh, Manhattan, Sephardic congregation in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And my friend told me, you need to go to that synagogue and you need to connect with this woman. And I did. And eventually I got engaged and eventually she became my Kala teacher. Oh. And so we learned about marriage together. And then after I was married, uh, married, I officially and we always had like a sister type of connection. And I realized that she would be the ideal person to to really guide me through life. And I'm very, very grateful. Wow. Very so grateful. how often do you reach out to her? And, and do you consult with her on most things? Is it like having a rub? It is. It is kind of like that. And when and when there is an issue you know, she says, you know what, it's time to call a Rav. Like when there's something that, yeah, oh, we got to call a Rav. You know what I mean? Like, but definitely we touch base like once a month. We, I keep her updated on what's going on. You know, now I was in New York. I had the opportunity to go to New York for two weeks. Um, and we spent time together. We had a whole morning date together and ended up with lunch just to catch up and touch base. And yeah, it's really a very special thing. Don't you find it interesting that today everybody wants a life coach and Judaism has always been about having yes. a spiritual life coach? Yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, and any other women who you've met along the way? Um, so 
definitely a lot of the in the early days of my journey, I, I have to say, by the way, part of what turned me into Judaism um, and Juda and Jewish observance were were the women like here I was, again, going back to my upbringing taught to be assertive and professional and, you know, smart. Oh, by the way, but not too smart, because you will scare away Prince Charming, right? There was always that dichotomy, like, like, you have to be brilliant, and you have to, you know, get all the degrees. But hello, tone it down a little bit. <laughs> my oh mother, my, my mother used to say, can you can you like move your eyelash? is a little bit because you're going to intimidate the men and I'd be like what is going on here but anyway <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like totally mixed messages well, respectfully <laughs> respectfully to your mother Yale you know you're so beautiful you're so physically beautiful the Thank outside you. so matches the inside I imagine you wouldn't have to work too hard with those eyelashes to be noticed <laughs> for the woman that you are as well <laughs> but, but but listen Adrian I and I, I wonder if it happened to you also I got to meet these incredibly put together well-spoken powerful intellectually and just spiritually they had it they had so much going for them and here I was in my 20s like kind of like I don't even know where I'm going with my life and I'm supposed to have it together and here I would see these women they I would notice their relationship with their husbands when I would go and stay over for Shabbat or I would come to a class during the week and I would see that and I, I started really hanging out like just I want to know what what's her secret you know like how come you know and she looks so beautiful and like all of a sudden everything started kind of shifting and I started catching my slip because what happened was there was a contrast in my life. I used to work in investment banking and I one day I remember calling my mother and I saying, Ma, I can't find anybody in my world in this business world of mine. My mother's an attorney, by the way, that I want to be like when I grow up. And that was like a huge, like, if you're immersed in something and wow. you can't find role models, that that is a red flag, right? And then in the Jewish you know, I world. Never, yeah, Ella, I never thought of that. And for our listeners, I think that that's another really key point. It is. To repeat, if, you're, if your place of work or your career path gives you no role models, then you maybe need to readdress that path. Yeah, you really need to, you need to think about it. But I would see the, I would see women in my field and they, I would be working till 10, 11 o'clock at night, but here I was 21, 22, right? And these were older women with children and husbands. Why are they still in the office? And uh, there were just so many things that I just, I was like, is that really what I want for, for my life? you know and um and I realized and by the way to give credit to my wonderful mother because really <laughs> we're giving giving her a lot of slack but one of those conversations I told my mother we were having this same type of conversation and I said you know Ma, I what I really want is I want to get married and I want to have a Friday night dinner with Kiddush and I I you know I don't want to miss the boat and my mother Adrian who was yeah. an attorney who worked all her life full-time told me, I am so proud of you because if I had to do it all over again, I would do it entirely different. Really? Adrian, to this day, I remember, I remember this day, I could not, like, it was like mic drop moment, like my phone was going to drop, like, because my, my mother's not the emotional type, my mother had never been so open or honest, but the fact that she said those words, it kind of gave me permission in a way to 
you know what, run with it a little bit and explore, like follow my intuition. There is something different that I could be exploring. It just really gave me permission. And that's when I really started um, noticing and exploring Judaism. And again, noticing the role of women and saying, wow, you know, there is something here. So well, you said something, you said something a little earlier that really twigged with me because I had a similar passage and there's very few of us who say this, but you say you came in first intellectually, cerebrally, mm-hmm. and then it moved to your heart and to practice. Mm-hmm. What intellectually do you think was the most stimulating for you? Oh, Oh, wow, that's a great question. You know, I don't know. I guess it was the fact that there was meaning and depth, like into that it wasn't just a history book, right. you know, that it wasn't that I guess that's what it was, that it actually means something, that there are deep concepts here that you could grapple with and they spoke to your life. Like, oh, that was like eye opening. Oh, there's a meaning behind all this, you know? Yeah, I felt the same way. Like suddenly I found this operating system that spoke to me intellectually, emotionally, socially, behaviorally. Mm -hmm. It was a full operating system that didn't didn't cut my brain out of it because, you know, many of the sort of new age year vibes that are out there really do ask you to leave your brain at the door. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Which Good is something point. that women like you or I just can't do. I Sorry, can't do brain's it. coming in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> brain's coming with me. Yep. Hey, what are you doing this summer? Would you like to join me and over 70 of the world's most renowned Jewish educators and interesting men and women in Washington, D.C. for the week or weekend of a lifetime? You can join me at the 14th Annual National Jewish Retreat at the Marriott Wardham Park Hotel in Washington, D.C. from August 13 to 18, 2019. You can come for all of it. You can come for part of it. But the most important part is that you come. You will nourish body and soul in a way you've never experienced before. Check it out at jretreat.com and use the code JLP at checkout to receive a $50 discount. Come by yourself, come with your husband, come with your entire family. There's something for everybody at the National Jewish Retreat. This is the vacation that you deserve this summer. Head over to jretreat.com and receive your special $50 discount by entering the code JLP at checkout. Code expires August 1st, 2019. So is there a habit that you practice that helps you keep it all together? I mean, you're an international writer, blogger, speaker, you know, you move around the world shedding wisdom on everybody. How do you keep it all together? What keeps you grounded? What part or what practice in your life keeps you grounded? Great question. And we're recording this in the morning, um, which brings me to this daily habit that I have is that I, first of all, I wake up before my children Mm -hmm. always, um, and I pray and I learn something of Torah every single day, something tiny, but I, I, I pray every morning, not the entire shacharit. I'm not there yet, not the entire morning service, but I do wake up 45 minutes before my children. And those minutes I spend in prayer and I've increased the amount of what I can master over the years of what I'm wow. able to say. And then in learning something small. Now I'm actually into um, Chavos Alevavos, into um, uh, the of the heart. Yes, yes, in Gate of Trust, and I'm very into it recently. Um, so I do a little bit of Gate of Trust every day. Um, that is definitely a grounding habit for me, That the, the morning prayer. Um, I also have 
tea with my husband almost every night. Like we try to be very intentional about that. Um, I think it's very helpful for me and it's helpful for my marriage. What so, time do you do that? What time? We do that around 8.39. Um, After the kids are in bed? Yeah. The kids are, well, my kids are getting older. So they're kind of like trying to interfere with the tea, but they know it's like off limits. Like it's mommy tati time, you know? Um, That's awesome. Yeah. That's- Awesome. I think it's and very important. And what do you do? You make a pot of tea and put out some cookies and just say, this is mommy, daddy time? Yeah, there's like dark chocolate usually because that's oh. our little treat. And and we drink our tea and they know it. Um, and also my husband used to travel a lot. He doesn't travel so often. And, and you know, sometimes I travel. So we really try to be very meticulous about having that tea time together. It's very important for us. I actually try not to go out at night. Like unless, like to get me out the door, it has to be for a really good reason. Um, so those two things, we actually talking because you asked me about finance before we have something, my husband and I, that it's habitual that I mean, it helps me and it helps my marriage is that every week, this is aside from tea time, we actually have a, a money date where we go through everything. We check with each other. We check that we're allocating our finances in the way we want, what needs to be paid, what ha- what's happening, what, you wow. know, and that's really very cool. We enjoy it a lot, actually. You know, sometimes you know. there's tension because there's when, whenever you're discussing money, there's always the emotional part, but we, we know already like how, oh, this, what you just said just triggered something in me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I got to tell you, EAL, years ago, when I was in marriage counseling with my husband, I remember the marriage counselor saying that often a couple would show up at their door for the first time because there was a bankruptcy that the other partner didn't know about. That the woman had no clue what was going on financially. Mm -hmm. And these would often be, you know, educated, uh, professional Mm -hmm. women, which goes back to what we spoke about at the beginning, Mm -hmm. is that kind of desire to have certain things off the books of our marriage and left only to our husband, which is pretty isolating for them. So how did you guys get to a place where you shared the emotional and the physical weight of that part of your lives? I, I think we realized that it's it's very important. And when once we started talking about it, well, I also learned more about it from a wonderful woman that I interviewed. Actually, she was my first episode, Barry Tesler. She talks about this very often in her work, The Money Date. And, and when we sat to do it first, you know, there were moments of being uncomfortable. And then we, well, we stuck through it because we saw the value that as we started to communicate about money regularly and about our values and it just brought us together and so to counter the scenario that you're talking about that the therapist told you about I always say that you know at least what I've realized from my marriage and I pretty sure this should be true for everybody it can whereas people see finances as a source of stress in a marriage very very often I really mm-hmm. think it could be a source of connection and intimacy you just have to be intentional about actually as a couple taking care of these things uh, I I mean I treasure my money date <laughs> so yeah I'll, some women um, refuse to um, some women refuse to be part of that and mm-hmm. then there are other women who have such high anxiety around it what would you recommend as um, the operating statement or the the, the the mission statement of the money date how do you how would you suggest that women who are not currently doing this you know gather their strength and their courage and go to their spouses and to say here is something we need to do 
What do you suggest is the mindset? I'll tell you what I would suggest, that it has to do first and foremost with your value. Present it as a value-driven conversation, not as we're going to do something very dry and boring and we're going to look at numbers. Let's start with what do we want in life? Forget the numbers for now. Start the conversation with your husband about what what are our goals? What kind of schools do we want our kids to be in? Not not about can we afford it? Can we not? What do we want? What kind of of home and let's start putting it all together in paper and let's start seeing and I think if you start the conversation that way that's going to little by little evolve into a greater um, I guess um, maturity in terms of discussing your numbers but you got to start with your values first such an interesting thought so essentially what you're saying and and obviously Sadaka and the household yes plays into that in a big way it, you know I've heard that a good marriage is heavily dependent on a shared vision of what a meaningful life looks like mm-hmm. and it would never have occurred to me to use your finances as a balance bouncing off point for that conversation, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like hanging up right now so that I can go and talk to my husband. <laughs> go, because go pull out the dark chocolate. Sweetheart, we've been putting off this conversation for 31 years. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, no. It's never too late. It's never, never too nev- late, never too late. Never too late. Never too late. And now, it's so you're... important. Let me just tell you, Adrian, it is so important because what I see is, um, you know, it, it, these type of conversations can save marriages. I again, it, and it, it really can help people achieve that the the life that God wants for them. You know, and get out of this. You know, enhance their marriage, enhance their faith, enhance their giving. I mean, there's so much that we we can't just ignore it and say, well, let him take care of it, or I'm just gonna you know dig my head in in, in the sand, as they say, right? Um, I I think it's incredibly important, and particularly for women because we are. As as a society, as a, as a norm socially, we are at a disadvantage in terms of for some reason women didn't get really the com- the, the memo when it came to money. And I, I, you're talking to somebody who studied economics, who worked in banking, who has an MBA, and I couldn't even like open my my bank statements without cringing, and I couldn't even like I wouldn't even know what it tell. To, I, I didn't even know to roll my retirement account from one job to another. You know what I mean? Like it's it's something that's important. And in a marriage, it comes up in everything. Come on, you know? Wow. You know, this is for me extraordinarily eye-opening because I am one of those women who has willfully kind of looked the other way mm-hmm. and only opened my mouth to speak when there was nothing there or right. when I was, you know, annoyed because something didn't get paid. And I know this is going to sound horrible, but there's a piece from my generation of a lack of femininity to be discussing about money. And yet, mm-hmm. um, I don't know how we can possibly have real relationships if we leave that entire burden to our spouses. So I'll tell you something to that that you'll appreciate. You know, when I started looking at the Eshet Chayil, the woman of valor, mm-hmm. yeah. I, hello, what a feminine yeah. woman. And can we analyze her? She was very much knowing what happened with the money part of her life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're so right. So, Her husband, what did he do? You sit with the elders at the gates, right? Exactly. 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 She oh had a business. My. She was running a business. She was. She had her maids. She knew what duties to give. Like this woman was like, talk about MBA. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. So that's, I that's a reframe. Wow, I really yeah. think that it is is it be women being on the sidelines of their financial life, I don't think is a Torah paradigm, by the way. I think it came from elsewhere, but as many things in Jewish life, we have because we're exiled and we adopt the mindset of the cultures that we're in. Um, but I just I actually want to make a whole historical analysis because if you think about also throughout the ages, like women were Jewish women were in the market and they were hustling and were bustling and were doing. So I don't know. I think um, and again, go back to the Asia's Heil. <laughs> you know, that is that is such a powerful meta message. I think a lot of people never read the English or the Spanish, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. of what that prayer means. But you know, when we when my husband and I started to say it on Friday nights 25 years ago, neither of us had Hebrew that was strong enough to read it. So we always read it in English. And it oh. used to strike me, wow, mm-hmm. if this is considered a patriarchal religion, then somebody ought to read that prayer because she does it all, mm-hmm. like all of it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what do you see next for you? Where are you going? You know, um, it actually has to do a lot with this this part of the conversation that we were discussing. I see that this financial pain point that I've identified with women um, and my professional experience, both in finance and as a writer, as a communicator, as a speaker, um, I see myself packaging it all together and putting myself out there as an educator of women on the topic of personal finance from a Jewish perspective, because I think it's helped me and I think it can help so many other women. I'm actually working on a book on the topic. Well, actually two books. You'll appreciate this. I'm working on a manual with our dear friend Yael Toledo, who's a therapist. Yes. We're working on a 30-day manual for women with exercises they can do. And then I'm working on my own book and I'm trying to go on speaking tour in the fall. I've just worked on my new speaking page and all the topics of my talks and they're all related to the topic of money. And we're going to lay out a new website and maybe there'll be a new podcast that just deals with the topic of money. So there's definitely a lot coming up. And so I also I want to actually say this is important. If anybody who's listening wants first dibs on on what's coming up with the money conversation, they should really send an email right now to Yael at JewishLatinPrincess.com with the subject line money. You, you don't have to say anything else. But what that will do is my my assistant and I will put you in a list that you'll be one of the first to know or the first to know to get access to all the new resources to the new WhatsApp group that we're launching. I already have one in Spanish where I send a weekly column on money and Judaism, but we're launching in English, um, online course, whatever's coming that we're really planning. All of that, you want to you want to be in the know, just send an email to yael at jewishlatinprincess.com with the subject line money. And that way you'll be there. We automatically will know that you will get first dibs because it's going to be good. <laughs> it's this is brilliant. It's so, you know, we, we're in an era of female empowerment, you mm-hmm. know, me too, time's up. But until we can take control financially of our own lives, that empowerment is lame. And to me, I think you've hit the magic bullet for what the future of female empowerment will mean. And that's really taking charge of your own um, livelihood. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, because it affects so many, so all of our relations, you know? Um, so this is key. I think this is key. And again, Adrian, the Torah is our source of everything. It's, so everything is in there. We don't have to go elsewhere to find it. We can find it in our faith. We can do this. <laughs> I, I, okay, so I want to play that little game with you now that you played with me when you interviewed me. The uh, Jewish Latin princess, fill in the blanks. Can oh, my favorite part of the show. <laughs> okay, can we do that? Yes, let's do it. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. 
I'm Yale Trush, and I feel most spiritual when... I'm in the mikvah. Oh, of course. Do I get to ask you more about that, or do I have to go right down the list of questions? You can ask me more about that, but, um, you know, I, I really... It's a hard mitzvah, um, but when I'm in the water, I literally feel like I'm completely surrendered to God. That, that's when I'm... That really it's the first thing that comes to mind, like in high, highlight of spirituality. And yes, of course, it's when I'm in the coastal also, but that's, you know, how often am I in the in, in, in Israel, right? But on a regular basis, definitely being in the waters of the mikvah is very, very spiritual. Okay, my favorite mitzvah or one that I connect with the most is Shabbat, everything around Shabbat, the candle lighting moment, the meals, the family time, the friends, the guests, the quiet, the sometimes not so quiet, uh, all of Shabbat. And I, I'm not really sure how I ever lived without it. I am so grateful for the Shabbat experience. And it's not an easy thing for me because as you can tell, I'm a doer and I'm like, a, I'm, I'm action, 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 action. So, but boy, boy, has this been a gift in my life. Oh, how fabulous. Okay, my fondest sweetest Jewish memory is the birth of each of my children. I know it doesn't sound very Jewish per se. It's a natural occurrence, but um, but I did feel very, very connected to my creator and very in tune to being a woman, but not just a woman, a Jewish woman who was bringing another Jewish soul into the world. That was really my focus throughout those four four birds I, I just it's just the sweetest uh, I, I don't know that's very personal but yeah oh it's so lovely okay something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is everything <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that women are the women are the rock stars <laughs> Oh, man. And when I give tzedakah, I like to give to anyone who asks. um, I'm actually very passionate about this. Uh, You mentioned it before, but I I, and I've told you this before that um, this idea of having a designated uh, miser account where 10% of every penny I make gets placed into that account automatically. Um, Baruch Hashem, anytime someone asks, I can send something. It allows me to do that. Uh, and I wasn't, by the way, always like this disciplined about this. And this is one of those transformations that happened over the years that we talked about earlier. Um, within that, I'm definitely partial to Jewish education for children and to Jewish women in, in difficult circumstances, but really anyone who asks. You're so beautiful. Okay, but last but not least... I'm Yael Trush, and today I am most grateful for this interview. I, oh. <laughs> I, I, I had such a nice time. I appreciate this so much. And like I told you before, I came into it a little bit like, oh, this is kind of crazy. And I'm a little uncomfortable. I'm usually shining the light on everybody else. And I'm quite timid, actually, to do it on myself. But I'm grateful that I did it. And I'm grateful to my listeners who pushed me to do it. And I'm grateful to you that you allowed me to share a little piece of myself, which will hopefully help other Jewish women. So yeah, thank you for doing this. I'm extremely grateful. Well, I'm incredibly grateful that you asked me to do this, Yael, because in becoming completely immersed in talking to you, you hit some nerves in me that need to be addressing, that I need to be addressing. And I feel like I certainly got more out of this than than you. And I'm sure that your listeners are going to be blown away as I was by your transparency, your power, your dignity, your wisdom, and your love of all things God and Torah. Um, this was a great honor for me. And I want to thank 
Thank you so much for this. Thank you so much. And a big shout out to you, Adrian, because I know you've released the JWRP Momentum website, right? You want to tell us a little bit about that? Because I'd love for ladies to check it out. Oh, it would be lovely. You know, um, the JWRP was rebranded. We call ourselves Momentum now. That used to be the name of our trips. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not like uh, we're not a new organization. We're just more us, more mom, more men, more me. I love uh, you it. Know, and Momentum works in every language. And, you know, the JWRP was a pile of letters that were very hard for people in the former Soviet Union and, and, and to, for some Latin women to wrap their tongue around. And because we have people coming from 27 countries, we decided to use what we used to call the trips anyway. And we've put out this immersive, full lifestyle website, which is for the Jewish mother. You know, it covers everything, everything under the sun. There's podcasts and videos and articles and God willing, one day we'll have some articles from you about money and women and oh, that would be how to fabulous. take control of your own life because you are such a cherished part of our everything we do too. Oh, amazing. So we can check it out at momentum.com. Is that the new link? It's called MomentumUnlimited.org. <gasps> nice. MomentumUnlimited.org. Everybody go check it out. Wow. I, I love you. everything that's coming out that you're doing. It's so wonderful. Amazing. Oh, I'm really glad. Well, for me today was an utter honor. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Your listeners are very, very blessed and fortunate to have you come into their homes or their cars or their living rooms or wherever they're listening to you <laughs> on the regular because I believe that you are changing the world. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian, so much. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I actually enjoyed this so much, and I'm happy you pushed me in this direction. Thanks to Adrian for doing this. She was a great host, wasn't she? And seriously, if you want first dibs, I'm working on this. I'm sending out a new speakers page. I have new talks all related to money and Judaism. So if you want me to come to your city, let me know. We're going to create an online course. We are going to launch a WhatsApp group that's going to be by membership only for women who are really ready to do the work. Or I'm working on the 30-day manual with the El Toledo as we speak and so much stuff. So get yourself on that list so that you get first dibs and discounts on everything that's coming. Yael at JewishLatinPrincess.com Subject line money. That's all you have to put in. And I know where you want to be headed and I'll know that you're interested in learning more and upping your financial game and we've got you covered. So thanks again for tuning in everyone and mazel tov to all of us on the 100th episode. This was fun. Next week you'll get to hear from another Jewish Latin princess. She's actually another Latin lady. She's really uh, a wonderful interview with Margie Scherer. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be great. In the meantime, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.